Black Mirror Cracked Episode 3, Crocodile. Before we get started, make sure you've watched every episode in Season 4 before you start listening to these podcasts if you want to avoid spoilers. We do talk about other episodes even within a podcast about one particular episode. There are lots of connections and, and things to talk about. So please make sure you are happy to hear some spoilers or at least you've watched all the other episodes. Throughout this season, we have probably... The tones are, and the genres we're doing are much more diverse than we've done before. We've got Crocodile, which is like almost like a Scandi noir sort of techno thriller, stylish. Hello and welcome to Black Mirror Cracked, the Daily Mirror's Black Mirror Season 4 podcast. So today we're talking about Crocodile. I'm Sachandrika. I'm Ryan. Crocodile is a very intense episode. What did you think of it, Ryan? Um, yeah, I really liked it. It's very fitting with the themes of this series in general. We see a lot of a lot of similar themes pop up, which I'm sure we'll end up talking about. Um, yeah, it fits in really well with the series. It's it's pro- perhaps one of the better episodes actually, um, and it does touch on different different points as well. Yeah, I liked this one. I liked this one quite a bit. So this is the episode that they filmed in Iceland. So it's incredibly beautiful, the landscape. They definitely spent a bit of money mm. on it, taking the cast over there. Um, they have Andrea Riseborough in the main role. So she's played Margaret Thatcher in the film. She's been in, in a billion things. Um, she's a fantastic <laughs> actress, almost unrecognisable here. Um, and she's playing mm. um, the main role, which was meant for a man, in fact. So back oh. again, yeah. It's, I don't know if you if you knew. No, that, I don't but, know the history of this. No. So when when I interviewed Charlie Brook and Annabelle Jones, the co-creators of the show, they mentioned that they sent the script to Andrea, and uh, she really liked the main the main role, and and asked if she could play it. They said it was originally meant for a man, but when you have an actress of you know, her caliber and her range, you give mm. her the role. And yeah. I think I think we'll we'll get into that role and how it could have worked for a man and what she brings to it because I think it's so interesting to have mm. an actress and an actress like her in that role. So um so mm. did you like it? What's your what's your verdict on Yeah, the... I like this episode. Um I like it quite a lot. It's very fitting with the rest of the series. Uh I find that interesting. I actually didn't know yeah. that about the history of this episode. That's that's really very interesting. Um most shows would show the ruthless character as being the man. Yep. Whereas, of course, of course, a woman can be just as ruthless, just as, you know, of course, uh, that's really interesting to me. And it's interesting that they rewrote the story or perhaps they didn't rewrite the story. Perhaps it was just, well, we changed the wife to a husband and that's it. Story's still the same. I think they they changed the genders, obviously, with, with her partner. But um, yeah, I think I think they show you her motivations of why she commits terrible crimes. And those motivations mm. can fit either a man or a woman, but they, they fit... They fit a woman almost better, but um, we, we should get into the synopsis a little bit. Sure. So what happens in Crocodile, Ryan? Right, so we start off with uh, Mia Nolan and her friend Rob uh, so travelling after a party. Um, so that's Andrea and... Riseborough playing Mia. Yes, and um, they are travelling in a car and they hit a bicyclist. Oh dear. Um, really, as you say, really lovely setting really snowy really beautiful we actually see a lot of these episodes in this series with people in a car in a really nice setting it's very strange i don't know that it's intentional or not <laughs> yeah so they hit the bicyclist and kill him basically um they're worried about the drink in their system i assume it was the night before it's very um, i know what you did last summer 
isn't yeah. it? <laughs> you know it's going to come back to bite them. They yeah. dispose of this body and Andrea Riseborough's character, Mia, really doesn't want to be an accomplice. And mm-hmm. it's really the boyfriend who who's driving who makes her help him throw the body into a lake, sort of down yeah. a cliff and into a lake. She she thinks they should go to the police. Mm-hmm. He does not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's very much his decision um, that she was led into. And that's important um, to remember the dynamics of that relationship. But she still does do it. She does. That's important to remember as well. She's not like, no, we must call the police. She she does follow along. I mean, she, they're alone. She doesn't take that much convincing. They're alone on this cliff road. Her boyfriend, I think you can see a slow dawning realisation on her face that her boyfriend is capable of scary things like mm. hiding the evidence of this crime, hiding a body. And I just think if I was there alone with someone on the edge of a cliff, I would do what he said it's yeah i suppose it is scary it is scary all yep. alone and I'm sure she hurt, him, but... no would he push me off the cliff next i i don't know like it's such a you would never want to be in that situation but and, and we've had this this kind of conversation quite a lot in these podcasts what mm. would you do in this very intense yeah. pushing a human being to the edge situation there's no technology involved beyond cars and spotify i imagine or the radio yeah, I actually yeah. noted that. I actually noted that the problems that that happen in this episode are not are not because of technology. No, they're they're exacerbated by technology in the mm. end, which we'll talk about. This situation, most of the situation throughout this episode, would have happened with or without technology. So this episode seems more about how technology can make things slightly worse or just make things a bit different, as opposed to look at the awfulness of technology and the awful things are going to happen because of it. Which is more where kind of Archangel goes or mm. Callister. Half half of Black Mirror episodes go that way. That it's a technology first and, and human beings use it in a way that can be twisted. But in this case, it's people who have committed crimes who are then confronted with technology that can uncover those crimes. And it sends particularly Mia crazy. Um, but mm. to begin with, it's not a high tech future. It feels like this happened today, perhaps. Yeah. Or yeah, it could have been in the past. So that's that's a kind of prologue. And then we come to the present day and, and Mia looks really different. I think that's that's telling you a lot. That Mia's a very fragile, frail looking woman. She's got this blonde crop, huge eyes, very <laughs> delicate looking. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's getting ready to speak at a conference. And then lo and behold, who turns up at a hotel room? Uh, so Rob turns up at a hotel room and he's quit drinking. And mm. immediately you see that he's racked with guilt. This is supposedly three years on and he... Is, is still very damaged by this, where she seems to have moved on with her life. She's an architect now, successful. She has a family. She definitely seems to have been able to put it behind her. Whereas, she's a child now. And parenting yeah. and children is such a focus in this season. I think it must be so much to do with Charlie Brooker having small children. But, um, yeah, whereas Rob, Rob definitely seems far more affected by this. And so he's turned up to... Um, basically tell her the body was never discovered and the wife of the cyclist has never been able to move on because of that and that has made rob be even more wracked with guilt really so he rob found this out in a newspaper article right yes yeah he brings he it, it with like, him. cut out and show it to her interesting yeah. he's still bringing the paper because we find out from the technology they use that it, it must be the future he's reading a newspaper interesting can't mm. tell what time it is can't can't tell yeah, as you said before, this could very easily be now, but with a little... Because the tech is not 
other than what it does, it doesn't look very high tech that they use in this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so it's clearly this is an episode that's very near future. That's quite evident. <laughs> Reading Indeed. my memories in the next three years. <laughs> so then they are at odds, and they've kind of reversed their dynamic of three years ago when he wants to come clean, but she mm-hmm. Mia has a life to lose if she does that and all her actions are really motivated by that fear of losing her family having her child find out what she did Mm -hmm. and think of her differently yeah it definitely seems to be the child that's the motivator for Mm. her they have like this panic struggle uh rob is killed i don't know if she necessarily meant to do that first because she pushes him she's just panics she just panics and grabs him and she accidentally hits him against the wall on the back of his head and he falls over and i think when that happens then she's like this is my chance, and she strangles him. But I don't know if that was necessarily her intention to begin with. She just was in a panic. I found that that's such a slightly unbelievable that someone as tiny as her could have the strength to move him around. And again, we come back to this thing of the role was originally written for a man and Rob would have been a woman. And so mm. I think the, yeah, the, the child motivation seems to really fit with a mother. Although I think a father could also have that motivation. It really, really fits strongly with a mother. But then I think the, that kind of fight scene needed a rewrite because I didn't believe that she could manoeuvre this guy who's a full head taller than her and much larger than her. She, mm. she kind of gets him in this strong embrace, like a hug, and he starts getting scared, which is when we start getting scared as viewers because he can feel it's unusually tight and she's kind of moving him around the room and I, I just wouldn't have thought that was possible. So I felt like that scene needed a rewrite. The way I saw that scene was that he didn't believe that was a fight and I don't think it was meant to be a fight at first. It was just that she was holding on to him. She didn't want him to leave. So he's not going to react violently in reaction to that because he thinks she's just trying to prevent him from leaving. And so he's sort of trying to go towards the door and then I guess he's accidentally manages to hit his head. And at that point, he's so woozy when he's on the floor that he can't put up much of a fight. So yeah, I didn't really have that much of a problem with it. I thought it could happen, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, he is a he is definitely a much bigger lad. In any case, uh, Mia hides his body under a room service trolley. Um takes him down to, it looks like the building site of a Nolan home, like one of the places that she has designed and dumps oh, really? him down the sewer shaft. But be- before all of that, what she does in that hotel room is that she looks out the window and she sees an accident in the street yes. while he's still in the room. He's mm-hmm. still in the room. And this is this is the pivotal moment that will be replayed, mm-hmm. um, interestingly, from different perspectives and different people's memories. And it'll, it'll be the thing that gets her in the end. But you can't see the the body or anything like that. But you see her looking out and she witnesses an accident where a driverless pizza cart hits a guy in the street. Mm-hmm. And then she, she, she notices herself looking out the window and that she's vulnerable to being seen. So she comes back in. But there's a full view of her. She yeah, fully looks out the window and stays there for a few seconds. And she's the witness to an accident. Very interesting. And then um, there's a so bit this of brings us... Body dumping and hiding, right? A little bit of cheeky body dumping and hiding. Standard. Christmas cheeky. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> very, very festive. Dumping. Yeah. Well, that whole that whole um, scene, like, it's very well done. It is. It feels like a film noir, Scandi film noir it's meant yeah. to be, isn't it? It's really harrowing. You just think, what is going through her mind? Yeah, she's definitely crossed the line at this point, and it only gets worse. But interesting to note that up until this point, everything she's done is completely unconnected to technology this would have happened in the real world with current technology nothing there is nothing related to technology that led her to do what she's done at this point so this brings us to the i suppose 
the other main character, which is Shazia, Shazia, we it was they only briefly mentioned her name once. <laughs> we we wasn't entirely sure at first, but I think it's I think they said it was Shazia, um, and she is an employee of Realm Insurance, a somewhat futuristic insurance company, and she's investigating the driverless pizza delivery truck accident. And to do this, she carries a machine, which is a memory corroborator machine. Um, as is thematic with this show, it involves putting little tiny patches on someone's head <laughs> to if scan their brain. If there's no head electrode, I'm not watching, mate. If, if yeah, there's no implant exactly. into my cranium, I'm out. <laughs> Standard. But um, <laughs> she puts these um, onto the claimant, um, attaches it to the very retro monitor. Yes. So that she can view their memories. Now, she points out that the memories are subjective. They can be affected by emotion. People will mm. remember things differently. It's not necessarily 100% accurate. We see that later on in that someone's memory sees a green coat when in reality it's a yellow coat, but the memory shows it's being green. People's memories are not always accurate. So this is just what the person remembers. Do you know what that that moment reminds me of? I'm not sure if you've seen this series, but Bojack Horseman, which is also on Netflix. <laughs> Have you watched any of, any of that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, have you seen the latest season where there's a lot about his mother in it? No, 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 no. Well, just for, for viewers who've... Viewers? <laughs> I always... For readers <laughs> who have not watched... Readers of this podcast. If you've not watched Bojack Horseman, it's uh, it's got Will Arnett in the title role of um, this horse-human man. They've all got animal heads in this world he lives in. And he lives in Hollywood, which is this cartoon version of Hollywood. And he had a terrible childhood with parents who seemed to hate him in all of his flashbacks. In the later season, you go back into his mother's past and actually into her mind. She has dementia. And there's this really, really great episode where you see what her memories look like to her. And things mm-hmm. like that happen where um, she only remembers the faces of people who are really important to her so all the background people have no faces they're blank and then there's one person she wants to forget Mm. who had a terrible effect on her life and that face is like scribbled out with black pencil which is really a a brilliant piece Mm -hmm. of animation and uh someone comes in at one point and says i'll come to you begging hat in hand and suddenly the hat appears in his hand because her (laughs) mind goes oh we forgot the hat and so in that way very subtly crocodile does a really great job of saying we have technology which is objective i suppose in and of itself but we still have human frailty and human memory which is subject to all sorts of things mm. and I, I love that green yellow coat and also that shazi is in a very powerful position if she suggests something then that coat can go from green to yellow a really important piece of evidence mm-hmm. could change what an important job she has how do you train for that job for being in charge of people's memories and how they're shown to other people but she's and, very good at it she brings a beer along, for example, so that people can smell the beer and yeah, smells, smells illicit memories. Yeah, they're very important to memories. It makes me think of the entire history of you from season one, when you mm. could click through people's memories. And that that program shows you very quickly, that episode of Black Mirror from season one, shows you very quickly how that can be misused. You know, should we have access to other people's memories? It's you know, an archangel as well, obviously. Archangel's about real-time experience but again should you be able to look through someone else's eyes it's a huge philosophical area and a great responsibility eventually this machine leads her to the memory uh, to a dentist whose memory she tracks um he doesn't remember too much of the accident that's helpful unfortunately but she but he did see mia in the window and remembers that you know shazia takes this as being another lead um, it is important here that they bring up the privacy theme yet again in this moment. The dentist is worried um, because he has a memory of seeing a naked man in a window and taking a picture of him. 
and he doesn't want her to say about to talk to anyone about that which she doesn't she says no i'm it would be against the law for me i'm not allowed to mention that um but it's interesting that someone has been able to get that memory out of him um especially because they mention later on that it is law that if you've witnessed uh, an accident you must take this test you must speak to the investigator so you kind of have no option but to have your memories invaded so again it brings up the whole privacy thing the black mirror delves into constantly well, the, yeah the dentist could be outed if if shazia chose to talk about him to someone which is a really big deal if he's not ready for that if he's decided to not live his life in that way and and you just think again this huge responsibility she has how how do you get licensed to do this how how does someone mm-hmm. else decide you're the right person to do this job i feel like she is but at the same time mm-hmm. She, she has a very nice manner, if you could call it a bedside manner, a therapist-style manner. You do trust her. Mm-hmm. But still, the, you know, these are big things that are, this is an essential part of the dentist's life that could be exposed that he clearly doesn't want, which is sad in its own way. But mm-hmm. she, she has a huge responsibility there. So I don't know how anyone could be allowed to do that job. But she, she's there, she's doing it. She's a detective. Mm-hmm. It's um, if you think of Hated in the Nation from the last season, season three finale. If you know, if they'd had this technology, they could have just gone and found the guy who's releasing the killer bees to everyone who was using the hashtag on Twitter. Mm-hmm. They'd be laughing. It'd be so easy. All detective shows just get the just get memory <laughs> scanner, mate. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> got a killer. Yeah, Ag- Agatha Christie, Pfft. Angela Lansbury, ruined Lansbury. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so we just just an aside. Ryan and I are very, very big fans of Murder She Wrote. Oh, and yeah. Also, Angela Lansbury. In general, we've there's a bit of a fan group here in the Mirror Newsroom. <laughs> we shouldn't get too far into this, but no. um, just Murder She Wrote. I mean, how is she always there? Oh, I don't know. It's, it's sh- usually a cousin or a niece or something oh, as well. I, th- I think there was more going on with Jessica Fletcher than. Love to read that lady's memory. Just, just saying. Yes, we need mm. we need to get a, a memory mm. scanner in. Murder she yeah. scanned. She exactly. knows things. She knows things. <laughs> anyway, back to Black Mirror. Um, back to Black Mirror. We could do a whole. Can you imagine? Like we do years of podcasts on. Oh, Murder, murder she, wrote. she wrote podcast. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so we've got what, what also is interesting. So why do we think the episode is called Crocodile? What What's your feeling about the name of the episode? At this you know, point? What? I haven't actually given that much thought to it it's a strange name and, and for me it's a bit yeah we've, we've mentioned in a couple like archangel a couple of these episodes you can see what's coming I'll, I'll say with this episode you don't know exactly if they're gonna find me out out or not but you feel like the net is closing in and you feel like the jaws of the crocodile are snapping down mm. on her she can't escape her fate she will be found out or she'll come so close and i felt like she'd give herself away even if she wasn't found out but mm-hmm. she's going along a path that can only have one end, which is her Absolutely. her destruction. And and it's gripping. It's utterly gripping. Yeah. Um, so I guess this, this, this episode kind of moves along fairly quickly to the point that I suppose this is now a fairly long scene, but this is the finale scene. So we have uh, Mia is panicking. She's drinking more. We see her cleaning out her car, her car burning the newspaper clipping that's in her house. And uh, Shazia turns up to me his house to ask her questions about the the oh, insurance claim. Oh, God. 
Amir lives <laughs> in this kind of remote, beautiful, gigantic. They have really great houses in Black Mirror, always like glass and really stunning. And it's set in this Icelandic landscape and it's very remote, which is mm-hmm. important. You have to drive there. It's There's no neighbours. Yes. Oh, Shazia, don't go in, don't go in. <laughs> but uh, again, she mentions to Mia, who is very resistant to let her in, that it is a legal requirement to participate and she'd have to call the police. If she didn't, it would be this whole mess. Um, at this point, Shazia is just investigating a very small claim accident. Yeah. She's not thinking that it's anything big. But eventually she lets her in. Mia is expectedly nervous. She tries psyching herself up in the bathroom. Tries like psyching her memories, like trying to force herself to remember certain parts and push out other parts, which is virtually impossible. The more you do that, the more you are going to think of the event you're not trying to think of. In the yeah. same way that that's why Tourette's people end up saying things because they're intentionally trying not to say that thing, so they mm. say it. So you're thinking harder about it. And also it's that thing about emotion being connected to memory and how it intensifies the memory and also changes it slightly. So obviously the mm-hmm. most intense emotion that Mia's ever felt is when she accidentally killed her ex-boyfriend but also she had a slight intent to stop him to shut him up so even though i won't say she had a murderous intent she Mm -hmm. she kind of achieved what she wanted through ways that are absolutely horrifying and and criminal and she's that's going to be the most emotional memory she's ever had and yeah it's going to keep bubbling up but there's no way to to push it down You, you know she's in trouble yeah, absolutely. Yeah. At this point, you know that everything's going to come out. And lo and behold, it does. Um, Shazia is scanning her memory. She's only focusing on the delivery truck, but Mia can't help herself. Like memories of uh, the the cyclist and having murdered Rob in the, in the hotel room flick up. Shazia is obviously scared and shuts up. She's like, yep, yeah, I got what I needed. I'm going to head off now. Yep, yeah, no worries. I got what I wanted. She's off she goes, gets in the car. Mia follows her. Trying to want to, oh, don't worry. I just think, I just think weird things. We all think weird things sometimes. It doesn't mean anything. And they both mm. know what's happening at this point. And uh, Mia breaks into the car. Oh, well, b- before that, just before that, Charles is sitting in the car and she's trying to make it start. And Mia walks off. And I just think she's going to be okay. She's going to be okay. And mm. I, I held off saying this when when we were doing the Metalhead podcast because he hadn't seen this episode yet. But it reminds me of Metalhead when Maxine Peake's character Bella finally gets into the car. She's just escaped this glass, beautiful house with dead people in it. The mm-hmm. robot dog's after her. And she gets in the car, shuts the doors. She's finally had to retrieve the keys from these skeletonized remains. She's gone through all this horrifying stuff. And she's like, come on, Bella! Start the car, start the car, start the car. And again, in this beautiful barren remote landscape similar to crocodile this person we so much want to live and and be okay fails Mm -hmm. to start the car and their enemy manages to get them so this time mia gets a rock and just bashes the window in and drags her out she's so strong physically mia she scares me (laughs) she has become a scary character at this point um she's very much a villain at this point and it only gets worse um oh god yeah yeah, so she ties Shazia up. Um, I can't even tell where, actually. I couldn't it's, even particularly tell It's like tell a garage it or something. They've got lots of... Their, their house can be built up further. You think as an architect, it's probably always a project to her. Yeah. So it's kind of empty, yeah. concrete, garage-type situation. And also, think about this scene. If it was a man, mm. how, how would it be different? But what... Would a man be more likely to let her off? Would a man have different motivations? Because Mia keeps saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And she keeps kind of circling back to like, almost I'll let her go. But then she's like, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. My family can't find out. Mm-hmm. 
the stopping point for her not letting her go seems to be she says, oh, yeah, I, I can't trust you. You just saying that you won't tell anyone because even if you won't tell anyone, your memories will. Your memories can yes. be scanned. And so that's yes. really the that's really the 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 issue for her. And, and she, she scans her memories and she finds that her husband knew she was coming here, which is a big problem for her. Yeah, it's really sad because Shazia didn't have to go, but she said to her husband, oh, go on, is it okay if I go? Just when he walks into the room, because is it Christmas or is it her, is her birthday or their anniversary? Yeah. It's one it of those birthday, three occasions. Yeah. I think it's her birthday. And he gets her a hamster, random, for an adult woman. Fine. But <laughs> she's like, okay, the hamster. And then she says, look, go on, let me go because she'll get she'll get commission or she'll get extra pay if it's all within yeah. a 24-hour period that she solves this crime mm-hmm. so there's there's an incentive for her to finish the job quickly and that's mm-hmm. why she goes to see Mia she didn't have to mm-hmm. and that's a scene that Mia sees kind of played back to her that the husband is aware will raise the alarm if Mia mm-hmm. doesn't return yeah and that's a problem for her because she can't let her go because she'll be found out but even if she doesn't her family is going to inform someone so she kills Shazia Wop wop, that's a shame. Sounds quite brutal. Sounds like she like bashed her head in with the with the rock or something along those lines. We don't um, see or a piece it. Of wood, I think. Yeah. We don't see it, but we hear it, we know she's dead. Oh um, And then even worse, Mia's really going really far with this at this point to cover her track. Um she breaks into Shazi's home, she follows her husband upstairs where he's taking a bath, kills him, really brutal. He's you know, in a bathtub soaked with blood, she covers in a towel. Hammer to the she's head. Hammer to the head. She's no the job done. Very no low tech. tech. And it's, it's just really... the tech that led her to this indirectly. In yeah, a way. and it's really bloody and really gory. And that's a bit unusual for Black Mirror. And also notice how they show the man's death, but not but not Shazi's, not the woman's. There's, yes. a, there's a little bit more respect, possibly for a female character or for a character we've got to know and care for. I don't yeah. know, but we see the bloody, we see the husband's blood in the bath, his face go kind of, you know, lifeless and, and mm-hmm. yeah, and it's all to cover these tracks and all because the memories are dangerous mm-hmm. to Mia and her survival. So the the tech kind of signs their death warrants from Mia's point of view, which is a slightly crazed murderer's point of view at this point. Yeah, and then she, you know, as she's leaving, she hears... A child. She sees a, a child crying. Oh god! And we don't we don't see what happens, but it's heavily implied that she ends up killing this child. At that point, that means she's killed four people to cover her tracks here. That's quite something. She, with that moment, she walks into the nursery and stands face to face with this really small, really adorable child in its in its uh, crib, and it's standing up and look, you know, seemingly looking at her and just being a normal kid and, and she's weighing up her can I do this can I not and remember her whole motivation is to, to keep her son unaware and to protect him from the horrible truth and yet mm-hmm. she's prepared to kill a very small child so then we have um, Mia is seeing uh, a play by her son at school and uh, you know she's not looking great she looks scared she's kind of crying she's putting her head against her husband she's not looking great <laughs> if I'm honest did, as did you we, would expect from someone that's done what she did did we note the song so it's Bugsy Malone 
that they're in. Um, you can be anything that you want to be. And again, when I was interviewing Charlie Brooker and Annabelle Jones, they they had a little joke. And when I asked them, what's the question no one ever asks you that you'd, you'd like to be asked? And they said, oh, when's the musical episode of Black Mirror coming out? Because that's pretty <laughs> funny. And I kind oh, of joked and said, that. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? Yeah. Maybe next season, maybe season five. And then I said, oh, you know, yeah, ha, 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 a song from Bugsy Malone, because that's the first music that came to my mind. And they looked at me like they'd seen a ghost and said, what do you know? And they <laughs> and they said, basically, yeah, there's a song from Bugsy Malone in, in the next season, but it's not the one, it's not in the episode that Jodie Foster directs because that you know that would be cute that'd be very cute they said no and uh i didn't realize obviously they would mean this that's the only hint they gave me and we what i realized now is that we were kind of laughing and joking and they were looking at me with narrowed eyes about the most traumatizing scene (laughs) in season four of black mirror because the anticipation is almost worse Um, so what were you thinking during the scene when they're cutting between innocent children, the motivation for all of Mia's killing and and the police? Were you thinking she's going to she's going to get caught or there's no way? What were you hoping? What were you thinking? How are you feeling? Yeah, I was thinking that this was only going to end with her being caught, um, you know, and her getting her comeuppance, I suppose. Uh, and you see that coming. It, it, it's building and. This, 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 uh, I keep thinking it's a nativity scene for some reason. I think of children's plays as being nativity scenes, but so, uh, this, this play scene is cut with the police at the home of Shazia. Um, and they comment on how, how on earth could someone have murdered a child? Um, and they know, oh, it's probably because they want to cover up what they've done because they know we can scan this child's memories. And just to hammer the awfulness home a little bit more, typical Black Mirror fashion, they say that the child is blind. The child was blind anyway, mm. so they wouldn't. It, she didn't need to have killed the kid because he was. Well, they were never going to be able to know who she was. And, and then the police turn up at the play, um, presumably to arrest her, and that, that will be the end of that. But how did they find out? It was her. That's her. Oh, of course. Um, so there's the hamster in the room. The I bloody hamster. Oh, we knew that. Oh, that Deus Ex Machina hamster. Plays a big role, that hamster. It does. You, it turns out you can scan a, a hamster's memories. I thought that was a little bit odd because when they've scanned the humans, they they need to ask the humans questions. They ask them questions. They say, remember this specific situation. A hamster is not going to be doing that. I don't know how much a hamster cares about human beings being killed in a room. You might scan it and it's just thinking of nuts or something. <laughs> how would you yeah. ever get it to remember a specific Always situation? Thinking I think... I think a violent moment is pretty memorable for any animal, particularly one that has evolved to fear predators as a a hamster would, Mm. maybe in a way that a domestic dog or cat wouldn't have done because they they also would have prey themselves and they go after smaller animals. But a hamster in in the, I don't know, in its DNA, I guess, is a fearful little creature and, and is scared of violence because it's so easily hurt itself i'm guessing i'm guessing there'll be a lot of hamster emotion connected to uh that's the name it, my new indie band hamster, hamster emotion. Emo- <laughs> please do <laughs> your first song is crocodile and um and the hamster is looking right at them there is a cut to the hamster you know after that moment where Mia's facing the baby and you can see the cogs turning and she's thinking can i kill a baby you do mm. cut to the hamster and you just think why why what like yeah it's sad the hamster will be the last surviving member mm. of this family but actually the hamster's looking straight 
at it. Maybe it's CCTV when it's an animal consciousness. Maybe it's so simple. Yeah, possibly. But in any case, they managed to get out of it from the hamster. And that's the end of the episode, yeah. Yeah, Um, it was a a thrilling ride. It was very taut and full of suspense. mm, Yeah, I like it a lot. I feel like I've said this with <laughs> perhaps most of the episodes, but it is one of my one of the better episodes of the series. I feel it was very suspenseful. Um, one of your favorites, as always. Very well shot, very well acted. That is the same for every episode in this series. Well plotted, would you say? This is very much yeah. about plot. This episode, yeah, it's less about it's less about twists and stuff. Much like Archangel, it's it's not so much about the twists. Um, I would even say that there's less a focus on technology. Than some of the other episodes, um, as we said before, that she would have done this either way it's just that she wouldn't have ended up killing shazia and her family if not for tech so it made her kill more people to cover her crime but the initial issue was there regardless of this memory tech existing it was the the initial problem is two people who were involved in a an accident an accidental crime Mm. covered it up successfully and now they've both changed as people and it's like the start of a good novel in a way and then the tech comes into play and it it's where tech crosses crime and intense human emotions and Mm -hmm. horrifying memories i suppose it's just just a great episode it's so well done it's Mm. impossible to take your eyes off the screen when watching it and it's fantastic. It's up there for me. It'd be very hard to rank the episodes of season four. We might have to at some point, but yeah, yeah, very, very good work from Brooker and Co. As and always, in, yeah, as always, they got in the Bugsy Malone stuff. That that scene is is brilliant, and it, yeah, you feel the net closing in my head. It's like the jaws of the crocodile closing in on on poor Mia. Because I still have a, a tiny kernel of sympathy for her. She didn't set out to destroy all of these lives, including her families as well, because they will never be the same again. Mm-hmm. She's still very much a, the villain in the episode, but yeah. they do make her... They, black Mirror is great, and they recognise that people are not black and white. It's yes. n- nothing is ever that black and white. She's not, oh, she's a baddie. Oh, it's, you know, situations have let this happen. She's inclined to react in this way, whereas some people wouldn't. And yes. and yes, that's morally wrong, but there are still reasons that you can sympathize for why she's done what she did, which is interesting. It's interesting that they don't make their characters completely black and white, goody baddie, because that's not how people are. Yeah, I think it's a great thing about Black Mirror, and it's something that, that Brooke has certainly mentioned in the interview. He was talking about Robert Daly in USS Callister, and he said, you know, he's not a tyrant running a corporation, he is a person. Mm-hmm. And we look at their flaws and, and so on. I think that's important with Mia as well, that she's someone who's probably been shaped by that crime as well and by hiding that crime. So that was um, our look at Crocodile um, from season four of Black Mirror. So if you like Black Mirror Cracks and have been enjoying listening to our podcast, please subscribe to us, rate us, click all the stars. Yep, literally every single one. And we will know if you've missed any because we have memory scanners we have the technology to see we've clicked Mm -hmm. all the stars in the galaxy for us and we'd like you to please thank you for listening to us goodbye bye